we got uh, ushers coming down the aisles with Bibles, outlines, and pens, prayer request cards. If you want any of those four things, just raise your hand and the guys will get it to you. Uh, prayer request cards, just fill those out, drop them in at the end in the offering plate, and then we'll, we as a staff and a church, our prayer team, will know how to pray for you. Uh, and then we're going to get back into our series. We, we have been going through the book of Matthew. We took a break two weeks ago to hear about the Sanche people. Then last week we did Easter from Matthew uh, up in chapters uh, 27 and 28. Uh, and now we're going to go back to chapter 7. We left off. We just finished chapter 6. We're going to start chapter 7. Uh, we're going to finish it next week. But back into our series. And so, Father, we thank you for all this. And then, Lord, for our time this morning, just pray and thank you for uh, the idea that we have a God who writes to us and gives us instruction. And we know, Lord, that this was written at a time uh, by a certain person to a certain group of people, and yet, uh, as we know, your word is inspired. It's as applicable today as then. And, and Lord, we, meet, we need it today, for sure. And so I, I pray you would uh, grab us, get, us, uh, get our attention, uh, and get us on the path you would have us to be, uh, that we might live this week the way you've called us to. And so, uh, Lord, we ask your blessing, your guidance, your leading on this time, through the power of your Holy Spirit, in honor of your Son, in his name we pray it, amen. All right, you ready? First sentence coming at you, it's going to hurt you. Ready? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. All right, we're done. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, there's a whole sermon in that, just one sentence. Probably we should spend a little more time on it, right? Why would he need to say judge not? Because <laughs> we need to hear it, right? Uh, have you, any. But he had their head in the sand for like 10 years and, and missed the fact that we're better at judging today, maybe than ever. I mean, folks, today, we, we have this thing now on social media. Where you can, I, don't, I don't know if you've figured this out. It, it dawned on me the other day, and it kind of scared me a little bit because I didn't realize it was actually doing this when I was doing it. But uh, on social media, you can reach out and you can go, like. Do you know what you're doing when you do that? You're making a judgment. Like, just don't like, right? That's, you're making a statement. I don't know if you realize how quickly, how easily you can make a judgment. Uh, that's not so bad. It's what happens below that that's dangerous. Commentary. Somebody posts something and then someone else comments on it. Like, what, what are you saying? And you notice people, they start arguing. Do you know, I, I've tried it a couple times. It never works. I try honestly, uh, politely, to maybe give some perspective. Man, it doesn't work. Why? Because my intentions were poor, and I attacked them, like, viciously. No, because they're so used to being judged by all other people. No matter what they see, they take it as confrontation. Uh, and the reality is we're really good at it. We can see it in our culture in almost every aspect. Uh, people go after each other. Why do they do that? Jesus says, stop it. That you be not judged. 
Now that one makes sense to us, right? Why do we, why do we like that phrase? Because we don't want to be judged, right? Anybody ever made a decision about you? How's that feel? Well, you know, he's good, but he's a little slow. What? No, don't give me that title. I don't want a title like that. Uh, have you noticed this? Sometimes when you're given a good title, even that feels like judgment. You know, you've been doing a really good job lately. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean? Hey, you look good today. How did I look yesterday? <laughs> Will I still look good tomorrow? I'm just getting older, you know. Uh, sometimes even a good judgment still feels like judgment. How hard is it to go through life without making judgments on other people? It's really hard. We've gotten in the practice um, where we post now about it. We've got a whole website dedicated, a whole social media app dedicated to judgment. What's it called? Facebook. No. There's other things you can do on Facebook. There's one app. All it is is judgment 100% of the time. No. No. Don't, don't worry. First service didn't get it. They never got it. Yelp. Yelp. It's 100% judgment all the time. And I absolutely love it. Why? Because if I'm going to Italian food, I want to know the good restaurant. Right? But the danger is it can get us in the, in, in the practice of constantly evaluating. That's super dangerous. Because we, we translate it over into life. We start looking at people. We start pointing the finger. And Jesus says, stop it. Not your job. Not why you're here. And you're going to ruin relationship. In fact, let's look at what he says comes out of that. Four, verse two, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Oh no, I'm really, really good at judging. I have critical down. I, I know how to do critical, evaluate comment, dissect, interpret. I even know all the words. Synonyms for how you do this. Why is that bad news for me? Because God says, hey, hey, if that's the game we're playing, I'm better at it. You figured this out? God's better at everything than you are? Man, that's crushing at one point, you know? When you're seven or something, you finally learn that for the first time. I mean, God's better at everything. He beats me at I can't win. Well, yeah, if you want to look at it that way. I have a God who can win at everything. Well, that, that's now it starts to feel. When you get to about 13, that one kicks in, right? Ooh, I got a God who's better at everything than me. God says, hey, be careful because... Uh, I'm going to hold you to the standard that you hold others to. Ouch. And here's what he's going to say. How about we skip a step? 
you're going to hold people to this standard, then I'm going to hold you to that standard too. And now he's going to say, let's skip a step. Let's figure out how we skip in a step. Ready? Uh, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, or splinter maybe might be a better word, the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You just got a nickname. What's your nickname? Log eye. Woody. <laughs> That's awesome. He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's skip a step. Or how can you, verse 4, say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. What, you want to be called log eye or hypocrite? Or woody? Right? Pick one of those. Uh, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly take the speck that is out of your brother's eye. Have you ever had something in your eye and you, and you came up close to somebody and said, hey, I got something like, can you get it out? Have you ever had that awkward, like scary exchange? Like somebody's getting their fingers close to my eye, but I have to let them because there's something in there already. And what do I do? And then you start getting your own hands in the way and they're like, hey, move your hands. I'm trying to help you. And, and the whole, boy, that's a messed up scenario. Have you ever asked somebody who had something in their eye to get something out of your eye? It's ludicrous. Why would you do that? It's the same point that Jesus is making. Why would you try to help somebody get something out of their eye when you can't even see? What are you doing? What's his point? Skip a step. If you want to hold people to a certain standard, a certain level, that's what you're going to judge them as. Tell you what, I'm going to come around and I'm going to judge you at that same level. So let's skip this step. Let's not judge, measure them at all. Why don't you just hold yourself to that standard in the first place and then I won't have to. Cool little thing. Skip a step. Totally forgot it first service during my sermon. It's your second service extra today. Try again, I would say, why would you ever go to first service? It's the practice run, <laughs> right? God wants us to get to the point where we're looking at ourselves, holding ourselves to a standard. Uh, and that's why it's kind, of, it's kind of a little confusing when he says judge not, because actually what he's saying is judge, but judge who? Yourself. Judge yourself. Uh, you got to get to the point where you have yourself down before you can help other people. Amen? You hypocrite. Uh, verse six. Do not, no, why not, before we get into this, I wanna, I wanna ask you a question. It's a hypothetical question. It's preemptive. I want you to try to decide as we read this next segment, is it a total change of gears and we're onto something new or is it actually commentary on what we've just covered? Because it might feel like we're changing gears it's a great question because the whole of the passage is going to feel like maybe we keep changing gears when actually I'm going to make the argument that we're staying within the same theme, okay? So is this, this Sesame Street, right? Is this like the other or is this different, okay? Ready? Do not give dogs what is holy. Wait, where'd the dogs and the holy come from? Well, I thought we were talking about specks and logs, eyeballs. Uh, do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Have you ever heard that verse before? I have heard that verse so many times. I've heard it quoted 
almost always exclusively by itself and never paired with the passage before it. Hey, don't get a speck out of someone else's eye when you have a log in your own because you should not throw what is holy before the dogs or let a pig trample pearls underfoot. Wait, how does, are you okay? Do you need medication? No, think about it though. They actually go together. If you want to judge somebody else, why would you throw what's holy before them? They might not take it. Why don't you keep it and use it for yourself? You try to throw the pearls before the swine, they might trample it because you're trying to control them, judge them, and they're going to turn on you and get you too. I'm reading through this going, wait a minute, these go together. The point was not to call other people pigs. The point was, if you've got a quality, holy, judgment, standard, rule, let's, uh, how about we say law, how about you apply it to yourself first to the point where you get it down, and then when you do, then maybe you'll be able to work on other people. Is that a good uh, perspective? Uh, Newsflash. You will never finish working on yourself to the point where you will be in great shape to help somebody else. You might be in shape to kind of help somebody else, but you will never be in great shape to help someone else, right? Because you're a piece of work. It's one of the only churches where you'll get to hear that. Okay, it's why you come here instead of somewhere else. Okay, we tell the truth. You're a piece of work. Uh, I know this, for so am I. Right? Uh, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Amen? Amen? For he who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Wait, did we switch gears again? Or are we on the same track? Ask, seek, knock. For who? Well, let me see. And it will be given to them? You. Uh, and them or you will find? You will. And it will be open to them or you? It's talking about you. Do you believe it for you? Okay, then when it comes to judging other people, do you believe that phrase for them? How do they get help best? Oh, wait, it's not from you? Oh, are you crushed? Are you going to be okay? If you really believed for them that the best way for them to get help was from God himself and that they should ask, they should seek, and they should knock, isn't the natural response to that to get out of the way and let them have their relationship with the Lord? When you judge them, what are you, what are you doing? You are inserting yourself in the middle. Unhealthy, wrong, ineffective, and not safe. You ever gotten in the middle of something before? Usually when you say it that way, like, oh, I got in the middle of something. What do you know is coming next? Try It didn't go well, right? Well, I was between this bear and its cub, and I got in the middle. Right? Or I got between my dog and its food, you know? It bowled me over, right? Uh, we were never meant to get in the middle. Now, here's the thing. 
here's the problem theologically. When you get involved in someone else's junk, here's the theological problem with it, right? It's not just a problem. It's a theological problem. Now, see, now I have your attention. It's like, wait, I thought it was just a problem. Now I'm in trouble with God? Yes. Because here's what you're doing. You're saying that they, they need God on high, amen? And they need you to step in and help them. They need two saviors, Jesus and Fred from Pleasanton, right? Is that theologically true statement? No. What have we just done to the gospel? What statement have we made about God in that? That I need to help them. I need to fix them, correct them. What statement about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about God the Father, what does that make? He can't do it. He's insufficient. Or how about this one? More subtle, maybe even worse. God's really good, but he needs a little of my help. I have to say that smiling and laughing because I can never say that with a straight face, not even sarcastically, because it's so hypocritical, it's so heretical, it's horrible theology. And yet, here's the thing, we do it regularly. We're professionals. And here's why. Because we don't believe it for ourselves enough. If you had experimented enough, what's enough? Don't know, not answering that today. That's not even in a future sermon. But if you had experimented enough with that phrase that when you asked, when you sought, when you knocked, that God interacted with you and gave you direction and, and maybe enlightened you or corrected you or said, hey, knucklehead, stop doing that. You would have had an experience that said, oh, I think somebody's there. I mean, I know I'm here, but I, th I think he might be real. And you would have started really believing that. And when you still start really believing it for yourself, you have greater capacity and confidence to step out of the way to someone else's exchange with God and let them have their own learning curve. Because what you figured out is your, your learning curve is steep enough on its own. And maybe you should get back to asking and seeking and knocking for yourself if we're talking about judgment from the beginning. Now you see these things are really starting to go together, aren't they? Or which one of you, verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Besides Troy. I mean, I know Troy would do that. But the rest of us, right? Or if he asks for a fish, give him a serpent. If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? Is that really a question? If, then, right? And it says, how much, after the comment, aren't those question words forming a question? What did the translator do at the, right before the number 12? Where's the question mark? It's an exclamation point. He's not asking you, he's telling you. God is better than you. He knows how to good, get, give good gifts. By the way, he defines good. I and mean, there's so many questions in that.
There's a whole sermon in that just verse right there. He knows what you need. He knows what a gift is. He knows what's good, and he defines it himself. Why are you in the way? Why are you getting involved in other people's business and messing it up? I mean, doesn't that kind of go with the theme of what we've been talking about? If you're judging, what you're saying is God doesn't know how to give good gifts. We're back to the theological problem that I defined earlier. But if you believe that for yourself, then you'd believe it for other people and you'd step out of the way. You'd judge yourself and not them. And you'd be happier, healthier, and so would they. So, verse 12, we're going to create some reason that comes now. If these things are true, up through verse 11, then, or so, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. Wow, doesn't that sound like a really good rule? It's like gold, isn't it? Should, should we give it a title or something? Do you, do you know this? verse before you heard it before what's it called oh no i thought the golden rule is whoever has the gold makes the rules no that's not it okay oh you're right you're right i forgot it uh whatever you uh no do unto them before they do unto you is that it no that's not it hmm i had this first explained to me a long time ago to where it made more sense you ready do to others the way that you would have them do it. Okay? Now think about it. The way you would have them do it for you is however you wanted it. Right? You ever ask somebody for help and then they helped you the wrong way? <laughs> they thought it was the right way, but it wasn't the way you wanted the help. And so you were like, I'm not sure you're helping. And they're like, of course I'm helping. Well, why don't you help me the way I asked you to help me? Anybody? None of, none of you have had that argument before? You're so much better than me. <laughs> I have that argument all the time with my kids. Um, how it was explained to me is you want things done your way in the golden rule or Christ's definition of it. How about you help people the way they want to be helped? It gives you a little more clarity, a little more depth, maybe next level of golden rule. Do unto the others as you would have them do unto you. Folks, you try that in today's day and age, they won't know what hit them. You will have their attention. Now you're not judging them because you're not even trying to help them the way you think is best to help them. You're, think, you're helping them based on their definition of what they think is best. That's hard work. It's costly. It's energetic. It can be painful. But you, have you ever asked somebody what they needed and then said, how could I best provide that for you? Careful when you ask because asking implies that you're going to follow through. But what a great approach. All of a sudden, the golden rule made more sense to me. Hope it does for you. 
Enter by the narrow gate, he says. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Wrong decisions are easy. They're quickly found and most do them. For the gate, verse 14, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. I thought God was going to make my life easier. No. He's going to make it better. Definitely going to make it harder. Why? But it's hard to be good. It's difficult to follow rules. Submit to laws. Cater to people. Serve volunteer, donate. It's all costly. And you know, the people I've met that do all that stuff, they smile. It's the weirdest thing. I know a couple in our church who have this idea about debt. They say it's doing everything but tithing. D-E-B-T, doing everything but tithing. They smile all the time. It's grotesque. It's this idea that we give regularly and we pour out for other people. Why? Because it's easy? No, because it's more difficult. But it's a blessing. And you understand your purpose better. You understand the value of what you have and what you keep and what you give. uh, And you reevaluate even those things worth. We just went pearl possessive on things which I hope I never do that again Uh, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are many all no those who find it are few it's the road less traveled it never confuses me that we have trouble in the church I always say to myself oh well there it is I knew it was somewhere. Why? Because it's a narrow road. Very few find it. There's going to be trouble along the way. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. People have fears, frustrations. People hurt each other. Jesus says, stop it. Pick the narrow road. Do the hard work. Do the best you can. Do it for other people, but do it for yourself first. Keep yourself on track. Then watch what it says, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them. Good. We'll we'll know them because they'll have big old fangs and they'll snarl and they slobber on everything. They eat everything. No, you'll know them by their fruits. Apparently wolves provide fruits now. Jesus, are you confusing your analogies? No. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Didn't you just say that? Did you say it twice? Why does Jesus tell us things twice? <laughs> McFly. We're thick-headed, right? I, I absolutely love these verses. Why? Because I have a choice. I can be a good tree or a bad tree. And I know what I'll produce. And when I'm around other people, I don't have to guess. They're either good or they're a knucklehead. I don't have to watch for very long. Have you noticed this? 
Are you okay with it? When they're knucklehead, can you step back and let God do business with them? And just say, hey, what kind of tree am I going to be? That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's our prayer. Verse 19. Watch this one. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Bum, bum, bum. Is that talking about you? Nope. Beware the false prophets. Come in looking like sheep, right? But they're ravenous. But who's he talking about? Pay attention to who you're dealing with. You'll know. It won't take you very long. And then stay away. Why? Because they're, they're on fire. They're going down. Stay out of the way and then don't be that way. Right? You thought it was Bummer Sunday. It turned into Happy Sunday. Okay? <laughs> Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do everybody get in? No. Not everyone. But who gets in then? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Are there rules? If you try to follow them, you get in, say yes. yes. If you try to avoid them and you don't want God, do you get what you asked for? Yes. yes. So it becomes a very simple decision. What do you want? You want God, fun, sense, things to work, clarity, hard road with only a few other people. Or you want to judge people and do whatever you want, as much as you want, just like everybody else. You can like and dislike all day long, comment every day. Yelp yourself to death. And you'll be with everybody. And you have totally missed the point. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, how How many? Many, I don't like that word right there. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? Those sound good? Sure do. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wait a minute. Depart from you. You never knew me. I, doesn't it say prophecy? Oh, wait, prophecy. It's there. They did prophecy, and yet God didn't know them? How's that work? Cast out demons in his name? It, isn't that good? Anybody ever done that? No one? Me neither. Hands down. Don't ever want to do it either. I don't want to be in the presence of demons. Lord, that's my prayer. Amen? Uh, me thinks demon has something on me. Me and demon go against each other. Me thinks demon wins every time. Me wants many angels around if demons are out, right? Because I need protection. But if somebody's casting out a demon in God's name, how do they miss the point to not be known by God and be asked to leave? I understand how that happens. In fact, many mighty works. And not just a few people. Many will say this. Why does that happen? Because people do the Lord's work with the wrong intention, wrong perspective, seeking the wrong payout. That's why. How does it happen? 
That's real easy. God's going to get what God wants regardless of us. Amen? We love a God who is not conditional based on us, but has control beyond whatever we do. We love that he's going to get good as a result no matter what. So if he lets us cast out a demon in his name, even though we had the wrong perspective, wrong goal, wrong priorities, he still gets the demon out and he'll deal with us later. We can prophesy and get something right, speak the truth, predict the future, whatever. And he says, yeah, you got that right because I needed the audience to hear it. But you and I are going to need to do business later because you're still in trouble. You're doing it for attention. You're doing it for money. You're doing it for prestige, whatever. Wrong perspective. I'll deal with you later. And didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Oh, really? Who did the many mighty works, really? Ooh, now we know why the perspective is off. They thought it was them. The situation needed God and them to get better. Bad theology. Now it makes totally sense, total sense that God would say, in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness. How do we avoid all that stuff? <laughs> the last couple of verses, I mean, it's got to do something because I won't walk out of here happy. How do we avoid that? The key is the last word, lawlessness. If the problem is lawlessness, what do you need to solve it? One word, three letters. Starts with L, ends with W, has an A in the middle. Any guesses? Law. Law. He's got projections for you. Opportunities. I mean, if you don't like the word law, Find some synonyms. Direction. Oh, the Lord is leading me. Yes, he's leading you to not do that because he said it was a law. <laughs> Don't do it anymore. And do this. Why? Because he said that's what you're supposed to do. Do it. That's how we avoid these things. Is you let God set some direction above us, over us, and we judge ourselves, manage ourselves. And we fall in line. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. What do you know? Title of the sermon. What do you know? Well, in this passage, I mean, we have to decide that these things are all meant to go together. Hence, Jesus taught them together and that there's a theme that goes through them. Let's look at the first one. I think it comes from verse 3 where he says, hey, do you know that you have a log in your eye? The first one is basically telling us, know yourself. What do you need to know? You need to know yourself. How aware are you of you? What are your holes? What are your misgivings? What makes other people uncomfortable? What could you actually offer as help to someone? What generally makes you genuinely uncomfortable? What are your tolerances? I mean, how much can you really handle? What will you put up with? What are your prejudices? What 
Where do you need to grow? What's blocking your vision? What's tying your hands? On the positive side, where could you run like the wind and really accomplish something? He says, first deal with the log that is in your own eye. You know, the key to this whole thing is knowing yourself. That's got to start there. How can you know you need a God if you know not that you need? Can you say that again? No, I can't. (laughs) Can't say that again. It's amazing the first time. We've got to know ourselves. Because when we know ourselves, then we get a chance, we get a shot at knowing who he is. Which is, by the way, uh, well, key question number one is, uh, who, who am I? How am I gifted? Second, uh, second thing is you've got to know, uh, you know God. Verse 11, he starts talking about this idea that, you know, if your God in heaven knows how to give good gifts, does he, does he give uh, serpents to people who ask for fish? rocks to people who ask for bread. Do you know who you're dealing with? We have a true sense of who you are and you know where your shortcomings are. You have a true sense of what need is. And you can start to see where need can be provided. And when you look at God, you will see provision. You start to look at what does he really care about? What kind of stories does he tell? But really, it becomes a a statement of, have you asked, have you sought, have you knocked? Because when you start to engage with God on a level where where he actually interacts with you, actually provides some answers, actually corrects you, life starts making sense. You're the God's in heaven. He's kind of he's kind of sitting up there tapping his foot. He's got his fingers, you know. He's, oh, how long is this going to take? He has been doing that for years. When's he going to give up? You finally give up and try something new the way he's asked you to try it, and it starts to make sense. And you're there going, "Wow, you mean this is what God meant all the time, man? I wish I would have started this years ago." You know what God's doing in heaven? He's sitting he's sitting up there with his foot tapping his foot. You know, he's like. It is about time. I can't believe he finally figured it out. Boy, we've been waiting on him. Right? I have this thing that I do with my kids these days. They'll, they'll be working on something. They'll spinning on something. They start getting frustrated and angry and emotions getting high and the whole thing. And I'll stand off to the distance just within like peripheral vision of them. So they know that I'm there, but I will not help them. Not at all. It's amazing. I love it. And they keep spinning and keep spinning and the whole thing. And, and finally, they'll, they'll do something. Dad, this isn't working. Good observation, son. And I do not help them. Why? I want them to figure it out, but I want them to learn how to ask, seek, knock, If you need help, you need to go get it. You need to ask for it. You need to find someone. I'm trying to learn them the value of community, of relationship, of other people. I'm trying to learn them. This is the way my dad would say it. I'm trying to learn them 
that they are insufficient on their own. In fact, I am at war with something that I was taught my whole life and I absolutely hate it. I can't believe that people perpetuated it and let it proliferate in my life. This idea that, Scott, you can be anything you want to be. Malarkey. I have yet to dunk a basketball. On my own, I cannot be anything I want to be. I was not designed to be independent, self-sufficient. I was designed to be in community with other people, and I want my kids to learn that, so I will not help them until they ask. And as soon as they ask, I know how to give good gifts. Amen? That's right. Right? And now I engage. I need them to see that in me because I need them to see how God works. Because God is infinitely greater and at that game than I am. And I have seen him play that game with me in my life. Sometimes it took way too long. But I know who I'm dealing with now. A key question is that, it is, uh, what's he like? What's God like? What do you believe about him? It's a great place to be. Uh, thirdly, who's left? No, no yourself. No God. No others. Right? You're all ready to preach. Okay? Next week. Uh, you got to know others. Verse 16 and 20. Start talking about other people. You're going to know them by their fruits. There's going to be good ones. There's going to be bad ones. You got to pay attention. You got to know what their needs are. And the key question in, the, in all of this is do you recognize them? Are you looking for the good and the bad? Are you looking for the bad and the good? They're both kind of judgment statements. And Jesus starts the passage saying, don't judge. Just recognize what's set before you. And adjust accordingly. But you need to know others. Because ultimately, you're supposed to help them. Ultimately, we're supposed to know how to give good gifts to them. Right? Jesus talks about that in the passage. And I've been pressing you guys. I've been saying, you know, you got to work on yourself. Well, how do you get to the point where you can actually be a benefit to other people? I told you with my kids, I wait until they ask me. Why would they ask me for help? Because at some point in their life, they saw me solve something or provide something. And then they trusted. And, hey, he's a, he's a resource. Do you know you could be that in the, in, in the life of someone else? You work on yourself. You set standards for yourself. You judge yourself. You make rules and laws for yourself to the point where you become efficient yourself, healthy yourself, godly, Christ-following yourself, holy, dedicated, best you can to him, and other people will notice. And they'll scratch their head. Uh, can I talk to you? <laughs> It's a great place to be. Will you pray with me? Hey, can you come look at this for me? Hey, can I ask you a question? How do you get to that place? First two, know yourself, know your God. And you get to a place where you start to know others better. That's the goal. The key question is, do you recognize them? Do you, do you recognize who you're interacting with?
Lastly, wait, what's left? We did ourselves, God, and others. What's left? Very end of the passage. Verse 21, what does it say? It said, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, as if they know him. Right? But at the very end, verse 23, I'm not sure why I didn't get this under the verse references, but under verse 22, 21, right next to it, put and 23. It says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Last one is be known. We don't get to the end and have God say, gosh, you look familiar, but uh, you know, coming through the gate, I just didn't recognize you. Peter, you ever seen him before? No. It was a goofy analogy. But you ever been to an event? They got it gated off and roped off and there's a bouncer or whatever and they're taking tickets, the whole thing. And then they see you and they say, oh, I know you, Scott, right this way. Everybody else, wait here. Scott is coming through. Is that a great feeling? Do you, do you want to have the ultimate of that experience? It's coming. Gates of heaven. Are there really gates? I don't know. I think it might be an analogy. But if there is, he's going to be holding everybody back. Excuse me. Got some people I know coming through. Right? How's that happen? How do you be known? Because casting out demons, prophesying, doing many mighty works, not enough. You know how you do it? Well, if you do number three by doing number one and number two, maybe you do number four by doing number one, number two, and number three. Do the first three lead up to number four? Because what did he say? Those who do the will of my father. Wow. Absolutely love that we can look at scripture and read it and kind of pay attention to it. And it looks like it's a bunch of shotgun things that aren't connected. And actually, they're absolutely connected. And I can't wait for next week. One of my favorite passages, our church is named after it, and I forgot to tell first service. <laughs> right? Key question on this last one is, what does he see in you? Does he see a follower? Does he see someone who's holding a standard to himself but not others? Does he see someone that's actually seeking, knocking, and asking of him? And then try and engage in other people once they got themselves healthy. Not fully healthy, but healthy perspective, right? Because you're going to be a mess the rest of your life, okay? Just get that one over with. But you got a healthy perspective of who you are and what you are. You can still be a help to other people, right? Have we said that we're not supposed to help other people today? No. We've said we're not supposed to judge other people. We absolutely are supposed to help other people. But we help them in a non-judgmental way, in a way where we evaluate ourselves, we evaluate our God, and then look to serve them the way they want to be served. Whew. Scott, that was way too much for one day. Go with God. <laughs> Lord, thanks for this morning, and thank you that you do not leave us to our own. Thank you, Lord, that you combat our bad theology when we try to step in and take over things that you had under control from the beginning and always will. But Lord, I pray that you would continue to get our attention. Drag us back to yourself. Clarify us. And push us in the direction that we should be going. Help us, Lord, to love your law 
your direction, your leading, your protection, your health. That we might get to a place where we're, we're clear about who we are and become clearer about who you are. And we might provide clarity to others. And I thank you, Lord, for those who are here this, in this room right now. And I pray that there is a time when they stand before you and you say, come on in. I know you. If you're not sure about that, you can, you can start working on your assurance with a prayer. Say, God, that's where I want to be. I want to be before you and you know me. And I want to start that today. You're in charge, God. Simple prayer, not many words. Totally clear. If that's your prayer, God bless you. I may help you. And then may you allow us to help you as well. Come talk to us. Father, we pray again for Luke. Heal him, Lord. Bless him. Fix him. Bring him back. We want to see that smile, hear that laugh again. Thank you, Lord, for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray you use it to help us continue to be what you've called us to be. We pray all this in your son's name, amen.